What's good, what's good, what's good? You are now tuned in to another episode of Best of Both Worlds. Um, today I have a very, very special guest with me. I will introduce her after I get over my announcements. Um, I don't have any sleepers for this segment or for this episode, but I do have some shout outs. Uh, I want to shout out all of my administrators from high school. Um, we collectively, me and all of my administrators, we didn't know where I was projected to go. We didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, everything was just up in the air. And um, through the first semester of college, things have definitely evened out in a way has been cleared. Um, things are looking good for me. So I appreciate y'all for looking out for me early on before we even knew what was what. Um, and telling me that regardless of what I do, I'll be successful. It takes things like that for all people. Like you need that that supporting cast uplifting you because words mean a lot. You know what I'm saying they have power behind them. It's in the Bible. It's facts. Any successful person you meet or come across will tell you that. Um, and I've been told that by plenty of successful individuals. Hence why I referenced that. So shout out to my administrators. Um, Hope y'all staying safe out here in the corona. Protect your family and your loved ones. Um, <clears throat> my guest I have for this podcast is um, somebody who I'm not familiar with. Uh, we do not have a relationship prior to this recording. So, you know, if you hear anything that's awkward, I'm giving you the disclaimer now. Um, she's from L.A., Met her via Instagram. There was a very, very, very interest, interesting comment that I read on the Shade Room post about kids trying to rush adulthood. And that's one of the points that I really want to tackle in this episode because it's really very, very important for y'all to understand that take your time, it's no rush. I mean, I know a lot, I got a lot of people I went to school with that's having kids and that's out here like struggling because they didn't want to settle down, didn't want to let, you know what I'm saying, take control of what they had control of. They just wanted to rush things. So without any further ado, I have Otishka with me. Otishka, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Otishka. Um, like I say, said, he met me on Instagram as a lot of people tend to meet these days. Um, I'm also very passionate about a lot of the things that he mentioned earlier in his announcements and shout outs. Very excited to be here as his first non-personal relationship guest. Um, I think it'll be good. We'll see how it goes. Um, and I look forward to hearing everyone's feedback. So thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Um, so we could jump right in. Um, I'm going to ask you a few questions about your background, if you don't mind. So first off, I read on Instagram, you know, I looked on your page a little bit to try to get, you know, a little grip for what I was go- getting into. And I saw L.A. Um, is L.A. where you're from? Are you from Cali? Like a different area in Cali? Are you like what, what, what was it like growing up where you're from? And where are you from? I am actually not from L.A. Like mm. most people you will find that live in L.A., I moved to L.A. at the end of 2018, December 5th, to be exact, from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, I was born in Chicago, but I was raised in Nassau, Bahamas. Um, the Bahamas is in the Caribbean. I spent the first 16, actually 17 years of my life there. Um, so I very much so identify with Bahamian culture, Caribbean culture. A lot of my views, a lot of my experiences are going to be based on what I learned in that background. So that's actually where I'm from. As for what it's like living in L.A., L.A. is, LA is, as, LA is as good as you make it. <laughs> that's all I really have to say. And I enjoy it. It reminds me a lot of home. Um, I'm a nature girl. I love to be outdoor. I love looking at the mountains. Um, it gives me a lot of hope in different areas of my life just to see, you know, the magnitude of the mountains all around me. Um, but yeah, I like it down here. So what was the environment like in the household and outside the household? Like who you surrounded yourself with? What was the family like? And what were those relationships like between the, all of you? Um, so my parents had me when they were very young. Um, my mom was 18 going on 19 when she had me like fresh out of high school. My dad was about, I think he was a year out of high school. He was, um, 19 going on 20. Um, they, 
I, I assume they were in love. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't be here. <laughs> um, but they broke up when I was, I don't even think I was two. You know, they broke up very early in my life. So I never got to experience um, seeing my parents together as a couple at no point in my life. Um, so that, of course, was a very interesting dynamic, right? So I split my time between my parents. Um, I spent a lot of time with my mom. I think that is typically the case when, when you're born to a single parent. Most kids tend to spend their time with their mothers. But my dad was also very active in my life. And my dad comes from a big family, like a very big family, uh, many sisters and brothers. And they all kind of lived on the same property. You know, we have like a family home back in the Bahamas that my dad's mother left behind. And so we... My dad, his sisters, their children, so my cousins, we all kind of lived on this property in different parts of like a house attached to a house attached to a house. It's very, very much so like old school. And that was, it was fun. I love my cousins. I love them a lot. It was fun. It was not very like atypical to you know to a lot of experiences i think other people have in other countries that come from big families it was a lot of chaos because a lot of us are close in age you know i think it started i'm like the second um to last so i'm one of the youngest and then i have a lot of older cousins so we started at like my age you know let's say age two to like the oldest person would have been I want to say 10, you know, so I had the guidance of my parents and my aunts, but then I also had like that childhood wisdom from my older cousins who weren't quite adults, if you get what I'm saying. Um, and then I had my mom's side of the family that I also split time with. And that was an interesting dynamic because my, my mom and her siblings, um, they were all separated from their mother early on in life. My mom was separated from her mom when she was 11 um, and sent from one island in the Bahamas to the main island that my dad and all of us live on. Um, and that was a bit of a traumatic experience for her, not to put like my mom up there too much, but it was... Again, not an atypical experience that you hear about a lot of black families living in the 80s, um, dealing with a lot of um, pressure of like drugs and, you know, the different things that plagued the black community, not just um, in the Bahamas, but I know in the U.S. as well. Um, so I was exposed to a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just say that. I was exposed to a lot of things that I probably shouldn't have been exposed to on both sides of the family because, like I said, it, it was the 80s. Um, crack cocaine was a pandemic um, in black communities um, on the western side of the world. Um, nobody's family was really exempt. Like, even if people don't talk about it openly, I... I, I want to say, like, I know quite a number of people who have relatives either close or not as close that struggled with that, you know. So it, I was overexposed. My mother always used that term for me when I was born. She's like, you're overexposed. You just grew up too overexposed. I'm like, I feel like you might have had something to do with this, but I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it, was, it was interesting, you know. And, like, when you're a child, I feel like you don't know that what you're dealing with is not the norm, mm -hmm. you know, because you, you adapt. I feel like children are really great. At, I mean, human beings in general, we're really great at adapting. So my little chaotic life was quite happy for me, even though, like, in my mind, sometimes I did feel like something's off, you know. And then as you get older and you have, like, friends, you go to school and you see, like, the stark contrast between, like, you know, there are always two parents at this, you know, showing up. Um, not to say that my parents didn't show up, but there's just a consistency. You know, there's always like uh, the kids get to do certain things that you, you, you don't get to do. It's always the same person picking them up. So it's like you, you start to notice those little things as your brain develops as a child. And I would say like around nine when I switched schools is when I started to realize that, oh, my experience is very different from everyone's, everyone else's. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, it's funny that you say that, right? So my, my story is very, very similar to yours. Um, like you, I was one of the youngest of a bunch of my cousins. My dad has a big, big family. Um, 
earlier early on my parents were together um and they ended up splitting when i was around six and i had to split time like you and for me i was an athlete and was involved in a lot of things in school and for those events it was always awkward for me because I could look in the crowd and I don't have to look in two separate sides of the gym or two separate sides of the gym to see mm-hmm. like my mom, my dad, or you know what I'm saying this group of family and this group of family, it was always different. Um, at the yeah. time, I didn't really pay it too much attention. Cause like you said, we adapt well. And especially at that young of an age where you're naive, it's like, you don't have the mindset of thinking what's right from wrong. So you just kind of go with the flow. And um, mm-hmm. not saying that the way I grew up was wrong. It was just different. Um, a lot of my friends in the city, in the inner city of my city, um, they didn't have both parents. They only had one parent. And then once I transitioned out of the city, most of my peers had both parents. And both of their parents were super old. My parents had me. My dad was 19. My mom was 21. So kind of similar to your story as well. Um yeah. They and, and and their upbringing was kind of rough. Like they they the, the parents that they had the mo- the parenting style they had to model was unorthodox, and it resulted in a, in a in a unorthodox upbringing for me as well. But it it made me who I am. So I appreciate all the experiences, and I appreciate them making the most out of their situation. Um, like you, I had a lot of older cousins that exposed me to a lot that maybe I shouldn't have been exposed to early on, but it happened and. It worked out. I didn't take it and try to model those actions. I took it and was like, all right, let me learn what to do, what not to do, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. Um, so another thing you touched on that I really wanted to tie into. Oh, yeah, so with that too, um, I had cousins who I knew, and no, this is no slight to y'all if you're listening. I had cousins that I knew like, yo, don't model anything after them because what I want to do in life and for, for what I want to what I want to be, I can't model a lot of those same actions. And you know, you had a lot of people in your life that you could look up to. So, who would you say was the most influential um, in your life and your upbringing? Um, that's a that's like one of my favorite questions in life. <laughs> um, and I also want to say, if any of my cousins listen to this, I love you all. I agree with him. This is not a knock at any of you. We all, despite everything that happened, we all turned out more than okay. And I'm very proud of my family, um, regardless of how we started. So with that said, (laughs) um, the person, I have a lot of people, like, I just love my family. Um, Really, I do, even if they don't see me all the time. And I'm probably the scarcest person in the family. Um, The person that I would say helped to really shape my life the most outside of like my parents would be my uncle his name is true um a lot of people on my little island know him a lot of people that are close to me know like I always talk about him in fact I have his name uh tatted on my my left shoulder the back or my left back shoulder whatever you call that (laughs) um but he he passed away this april april 26 will make uh 13 years that he's been you know he he's been gone um so he died when i was uh, how old was i when would how old would i have been i was 18 you know so uh one of my first memories if not my first memory is him you know, which is interesting because you would expect it to be like one of my parents. Like, no, the first memory that I can recall um, from my, I think I was like two, was him like crawling around on his like, like, like a dog, like trying to scare me, yeah. you know, and I'm like screaming and running through the house because he was really playful like that. Mm-hmm. And it was just, if I wasn't with my parents or my grandmother, I was always with him, you know, like I was attached to his hip, you know, he, um, he is gay and so growing up as a gay man trying to navigate that space not just like in the black community but in the bahamas which is like very religious um they've gotten i think people have gotten a lot um better with uh, how they deal with people that fall on the spectrum, but that doesn't mean that people who live on the spectrum have like would love the experiences that they're having right now in the Bahamas currently. No, I wouldn't say that is the case. But back then when we were growing up, it was rough. 
like man I like I said I was with him everywhere and I would go like certain places and people like people you don't know people that you like you you said nothing to you did nothing to would just start like slandering him um you know throwing jerry's at him like calling him like a sissy and you know all these like very offensive terms that people use to try to like you know degrade um gay men but what i always loved about my uncle was that he held his own you know like if you didn't know him personally and if you weren't like a really nosy person like you wouldn't know that he was gay he's very much so like i guess in the gay community you would call that like he was very straight passing mm-hmm. you know he did own like a a, a a hair salon you know so people that like to stereotype in that way and think like only gay men do hair they would assume that he's gay because he does hair but that doesn't mean you're gay you mm-hmm. know what i mean right um but he 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 shaped me to be a woman i learned everything that i learned about womanhood through being in the salon just like you would being in the barber uh-huh. you know hearing the different you know stories of women from all walks of life all walk all parts of society um he was the first person that made me realize that i was actually in fact beautiful and what i mean by beautiful not i don't mean just on the inside but like i could actually physically be beautiful <laughs> you know like i never that was like a concept that i had never considered you know, or really thought deeply about until he said that to me when I was like 11. So that's like another defining moment of my life. Again, that was shaped by him. Um, And, you know, I love business. Like I'm very much so driven um, with an entrepreneurial mind. And he was an astute businessman, like and anyone that knows him knows that he did very well, very quickly. Um, And he did a lot. And I took everything that I know from him. And right now, like in my career, like everything that he taught me, I'm kind of going back to it. It's kind of like a full circle moment for me. And I always like to think like, you know what? I feel like you were sent to this earth specifically for me, Mm. you know, because we we were just so close. Like I was like his daughter, you know, so that was he's definitely the most influential person still in my life. So, yeah. That's dope. That is dope. So, and it's, it's, it's funny, man, like how, it's funny how these things are timed. Like, it's like everything is perfectly timed. Um, I have a series that I'm getting ready to do where I have segments where I'm going to have specific people talk about the importance of having male figures in their lives and specific people having female figures in their lives. And the reason why it's good to have the opposite. So... In college, like for example, in college, one of the first meetings I had with an organization called Men on the Move, they were talking about mentorship and who you should look for, what you should look out for, how you should approach being mentored, or how you should approach mentoring others. And one of the things they said that stuck out was like, yo, as a male, you have to have a female in your corner who can hold it down for you where there's no sexual relations there's no like nothing past the strictly like you guys are friends and keep it a buck with each other if things go south they're gonna look out for you um and in my life i've always had older males and older females in my life that played that role and like you know it's funny that you said that because it's like you had a male figure in your life who from what it sounds like to me was playing both roles yeah, I think I, you know what, I never really, that's, that's interesting. I never really thought of it like that. Like I, even though we were always around each other, I didn't even, again, it's like being a child and adapting, mm-hmm. right? So my cousins would always make fun of him and they wouldn't outright come out and say like, he's gay, mm-hmm. but they would like, just, you know, like how people make fun of like, you know, mannerisms of gay men. So my cousins would, on my dad's side, they would do that all the time. And I would, I would be hurt by it. Mm -hmm. Right. I would like defend him, but then I was still too young to understand what, what they were really trying to get at or what they were really suggesting when they were doing that. Um, I don't think I, I realized or learned that he was gay or knew what gay was until like about i want to say the age of i think it was 10 
he was building his first home and he introduced me to the, the person who was his partner at the time. And even then when he did it, I, it didn't seem abnormal to me, you know? So like I, at 10 years old, I had probably already been exposed to so many things that you wouldn't consider to be abnormal that, you know, introducing me to that in the, in the age that I lived in, this isn't like the 2000s this is like this is my like the 90s you know like it was just like oh okay (laughs) okay like that's your partner okay (laughs) like I don't know like am I supposed to have a reaction like what's happening here that was like you know what I can remember me thinking um but I don't consider that he was effeminate again I felt like he was very straight passing he did not like his role in my life did not exceed the role of like my mom I also have an aunt, Leslie, two aunts, my aunts, Leslie and Lizette on my mother's side that, again, I was very close to them as well. And they, they stepped in as, you know, and shaped me as a woman. Mm. Um, but I guess more of the superficial things like the forward facing, you know, how to present yourself, you know, you want to look good. That was always this thing, like always make sure you look good wherever you go. You never know who you're going to meet. Always carry yourself as a lady, you know, things that my dad honestly told me as well. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, this, this don't, this is how to let a man treat you. You know, like mm. he, he gave me perspective, honestly, from a male, male suit, if mm. I really could think about it. So, but I, I don't know if that's the typical dynamic that a lot of people would have in my position, but for him, it was still very much so like a male, um, female dynamic. So. Okay, cool. So he, okay. So. All right, best. So let's switch gears a little bit. So, yeah, your schooling experience. Talk a little bit about how that was for you. Um, the difference between elementary experience to middle school to high school. You know what you had to deal with. Were you bullied? Was there like? Let's talk a little bit about that. <laughs> um, I went to two schools. Um, my whole life. Mm. Uh, for elementary school, I went to a, a very small, quaint um, school called Sesame Academy. Uh, shout out to all my <laughs> Sesame Academy people. Like, you know yourselves. We're, we're small but mighty. Um, and that was a great experience for me. Um, I don't think I would I don't think I got bullied there. Oh, you know what? I did get like beat up by this guy one time. Clinton. Clinton Brown. You said beat up. Uh, yeah. Wow. So <laughs> he did karate. I think I was in second grade. Um, and Clinton, I think, if I can remember correctly, Clinton was very aggressive. And you know, I'm pretty aggressive as well, you know, because I grew up with a lot of male cousins. I forgot to mention that part. So me and my me and my male cousins used to fight to the death, like Armageddon. <laughs> like, <laughs> we were trying to draw blood, you know, but we still loved each other. <laughs> right. But, you know, like, kids can get really dangerous and not know what they're doing. Anyways, but, yeah, Clinton, they, they had, like, the girls and boys swings. And I wanted to go on the boys' swings because the boys' swing line was short. And I insisted <laughs> that I use the boys' swing because the girls were just taking too long. And I was impatient. And Clinton reacted. You know, who knows what Clinton was dealing with at home? We'll never know. But, yeah, he beat me up. And we went to the principal's office. And he got a spanking. And, yeah, so apart from that, bullying, um, Sesame was great. Then I moved to... Um, Another school, St. Anne's, and St. Anne's was, man, Armageddon. That's all I have to say. Was I the bully? Um, I think a lot of people would say, yes, I was the bully. Um, I, You know what? I grew up differently from everyone. I, I never consider myself a bully, but I can see why some would someone would say, like, I'm a bully. You know, I was introverted. Um, I was very impatient. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was short on my words, very direct, you know. And when you are a child, still trying to get to know yourself, someone who is this way or someone like me who was mostly used to only dealing with adults, that's an important part of my story that a lot of people don't know. Like, even though I grew up around my cousins, I still spent most of my time around older people. So I just couldn't relate to these kids, man. You know, like the the, the things that they would talk about, I would just be like, so I get so irritated so easily, <laughs> you know? But yeah, I, I don't consider myself a bully, but I feel like there would be someone who said that I was 
a bully. But people did pick on me. People did say mean things about me. People used to make fun of, like, my physical appearance, you know, say that I look like a man, you know, all sorts of, like, weird, crazy things that kids do. I think there was one time when I was, like, in 11th grade, someone, you know, found themselves in Microsoft Paint and cut my face out of a picture mm. and stuck it on a dog and, like, printed out flyers and put it all around the school. Like, I, I mean, it was Armageddon. <laughs> it was it was spiked to the death. But let me tell you, I got out of there and I never looked back. Um, and I'm grateful for that experience because it, you can survive bullying at St. Anne's. And again, if you're from St. Anne's and you hear this, you understand, like, you can survive anywhere. <laughs> like, like it, it, it was it was because you know the school was isolated yeah. you know so a lot of the schools in the bahamas they tend i don't know if this is intentional but they tend to be built like within like like confines of other schools you mm-hmm. know like there'll be like maybe two or three schools in the same area mm-hmm. but our school was just by ourselves so you know like imagine you live with the same person you see them every day you get annoyed yeah you just get mad like i gotta see you again god damn <laughs> Like, what's happening? Like, oh, I hate you, you know, but then I love you, but then I really hate you. So I feel like a lot of that dynamic was at play in high school, for sure. I Um, hope that answers the question. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, you definitely answered the question. Were you involved in any extracurricular activities? Yes, absolutely. I, like you, I love sports. Like, I played most sports. Um, I guess you would consider me a jock. Um... (laughs) I, but I was like a, like if I had to compare, like let's use basketball as an example. If I had to compare myself to what type of athlete I was, I was definitely an Allen Iverson type. Like, I don't want to go to practice. I don't want to do anything. (laughs) But I I had natural abilities, you know, I had natural talent, you know, because both of my parents are athletic. My mom did track and field. My dad played basketball. He thinks he's Michael Jordan. Um, (laughs) Might even look like Michael Jordan on certain days. Um, But I did basketball, track and field. I played a little bit of soccer. I don't like that one as much. And I also played volleyball. Don't like that as much. Um, And did I say track and field? Yeah, I did say Mm -hmm. track and field. Um, And then I was also in the drama club. A surprise, drama. Um, At certain (laughs) points, (laughs) I did plays. And what else did I do? Oh, I was in the French club. I think I was president of the French club at one point. Um, I I loved French. Um, I still do. Um, What else did I do? Uh, Yeah, those are my extracurricular activities. There there probably are others, but I mean, I've been out of high school now for 15 years. So things are starting. Things are starting to fade from the memory. Not going (laughs) to lie. (laughs) No, I understand. I understand. So, um, what 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 was life for you after high school? Did you attend college? Yeah, man. Listen, I left immediately. I couldn't like <laughs> I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to be done with high school and you know, like I said, I was born in Chicago, so I always knew like even without consulting my parents, I never consulted them on anything, to be honest. I I made these plans and I just rested them like, Hey, I'm going to school in Chicago. You know, I remember when this happened, I applied to a bunch of schools. Um, I got my, like, you know, they have to write those recommendation letters, blah, blah, blah. I got accepted to Loyola University in Chicago. Um, I, you know, when my mom took me to the mailbox to, because, like, the post office system, it doesn't work like how it does here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. When she took me to the um, mailbox, I saw the big envelope, because, you know, like, big envelope means accepted, little envelope (laughs) means rejected. So when I saw that big envelope, I just started screaming. And my mom was like, what? She's so confused. She's like, what's happening? I was like, listen, I'm going to school. I'm going off to college. You know, we never had a discussion. Like, my mom and I never had a discussion. That's kind of like what our relationship has always been. She's always, like, trusted me to make the best decisions for myself, which in a lot of ways, I think that was helpful. Early on, it empowered me to, like, take risks. Um, to, you know, be fearless about most of the things that I do. But I feel like in in, in adulthood, I kind of wish that I had a little bit more of like, the consult the consultation from my from my mother especially because that was the person who mostly financed me not mm. to say my dad didn't but she was more of the person who would show up and make sure that I got to do the things that I really wanted to do mm. so like I said when I when I saw this envelope I'm like yeah I'm going off to school my mom is like the one question she didn't say congratulations she didn't yeah, she was excited it, it, was, it was it was she's like how much is it <laughs> that's all she said how much is it 
And I told her and she was like, okay. And there was no conversation. I, I swear to you, there was no conversation. Then she came back to me. I think this happened in like May. I'm sorry. Oh, no. Eight, no. March 2005. And I want to say, and I started college in August. And I want to say April, she came back to me. We're going to Chicago. I'm like, why are we going to Chicago? She's like, you need, if you're going to go to college, you need your social security card and all these different things. I'm like, so when were you doing all this research? And you you didn't tell me anything, but that's just my mother. Like she's, she's like not going to give you a lot of words. Mm -hmm. She's just, she's just a woman of action. And that's what I love about her. And she somehow made it happen, man. Like I went. I remember going to school, my uncle and her, they took me down and she's like peeling off cash, paying my school fees. I'm like, girl, I didn't know you had money like that. She's (laughs) like, I don't. I had to take out a loan because you decided you want to go to school. And it was just like that. You know, and I'm fortunate that my mother, you know, just again, she she agreed, even though she probably didn't want to. She kind of just let me do what I want to do. So, so <laughs> yeah. what was that experience like for you in college and like with your mom being like, you know, more responsible for the financial than you were? What was the transition like going from being dependent to independent? Um, I've always been independent. You know, I like I said, I never really con- like my dad was more hands on and, and tried to provide me a lot of guidance and structure. I mean, like, it, like, I mean, like financially. Oh, financially. Yeah. Um. Because I'm my sure you mom, had to pick up a job and you had to, you know what I'm saying? Then with that in schoolwork, like, how did you adjust? I, so the first year, my mother was very adamant about me not working. Um, my uncle was very critical in my first two years of college as well, because he also helped to finance like other things besides tuition. Um, and my dad too, and my dad and my aunt. So the four of them together, they helped me out um, tremendously. And their thing was, if you're going to be in college, focus on your studies, do well, don't work. And I was blessed that they all came together to make sure that things were taken care of. You know, um, I was able to get financial aid um, and I was able to get a few scholarships, you know, because I, I did pretty well academically. Um, sophomore year, it, you know, it was business as usual. And then like, my uncle died in 2007 and I all of a sudden I had to get a job. Yeah. <laughs> I had to get a job. I got a job. My first a paid job was at the YMCA. Um, I didn't like that. I didn't like that. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't like that. I did like that I got to play basketball sometimes. I just didn't like the hours. You know, I would have to be like working really late at night and commuting. So I'm not going to lie to you. I quit that job. With, I just didn't show up again. And that's not to say anyone who's listening to this, don't follow my lead on this. <laughs> Please don't do that. Like, don't just quit your job. But I was so confused um uh at that stage of my life because it was uh, I was adjusting to living in a new country a new culture doing things that you know I never really had to do before and again I never had discussions with my parents about how exactly to be responsible no nobody nobody told me taught me how to be financially responsible I kind of just observed and a lot of it was trial and error so Mm -hmm. you know from from I had that first job onward yeah by 2000 seven no 2008 I was on my own Mm. Uh, I had to I had to pay my own tuition and when I say I had to pay it that that is code for I had to take out more student loans (laughs) Um, (laughs) I had to take out more student loans um my senior year I had an apartment my mom just you know that was around the time that the the recession happened the last recession happened and she called me one day and she's just like I can't pay rent for your apartment you know because up to that point she was paying rent for like three years for me Mm -hmm. and I was like wow okay what does that mean though like what does that mean like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to scratch my head like what does that mean like oh that means okay I'm gonna have to try to figure this out and I didn't let me tell you I didn't figure it out mm. um <laughs> I got a job but the job was insufficient because I was also still trying to live my life you know I, I was irresponsible yeah. <laughs> I think most kids are I was out you know I was partying with my fake ID oh, I was man. doing all these different things you know I was trying to enjoy my life in a big city again I was like an animal out of a cage <laughs> And then I got evicted from my apartment, you know, my senior year, a few months before graduation. And eviction notices take seven years to get off your credit Mm. for anyone who's listening to this. So if you can avoid that foolishness, 
please talk to your landlords, talk to your creditors, and make sure that you are very upfront about whatever financial uh, difficulties you may be having because people, creditors, you know, they want to have a good relationship with you and they tend to be more understanding when you're just upfront, you know, on time. So, yeah, I regret that. But I, I mean, I don't regret it, but if I could do it all over again, I would actually avoid letting that happen to me. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, so when... So I'm pretty sure that time had to be stressful for you. How did you cope with the difficulties at that time? Like, what what was your go to, or who was who did you who could you lean on? Man, I was in a funk. I was in a. I was angry. I was dealing with loss with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't. That was the first. That's my. That was my first, and that has been the only death I've had to really deal with um, of somebody very close to me. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, I haven't had to deal with one um, since then. Um, but I was lost, and I didn't have anyone to turn to because I mean that was my mom's brother. Um, she was mourning loss. Um, my dad and I, we have a good relationship. Like, we talk a lot, but I don't even think I had the language for what I was really dealing with. Like, why is it that you're partying every night? Um, like, every day? Why did you start? Like, you went from having, like, a 3.8 and your GPA dropped to, like, a 2.3 in a matter of a semester. You don't think there's anything wrong with that. You're skipping classes. You know, you're doing things that's kind of, like, out of character. But I was too caught up in like just probably uh numbing whatever pain I felt with like just enjoying my life and moving on as if nothing happened Mm. and so yeah I was alone I was alone and people um who were supposed to be friends of mine they weren't really friends I think I had you know, they and they had their own issues going on as well. So it was a very traumatic time for me for a very long time. Like I just maybe a few years ago came to grips with the fact like, oh, you made some really crazy decisions because you've been like uh, traumatized from death and maybe you need to snap out of it. It's time to snap out of it. He's been dead for a while now, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so I don't I don't think people really. You know, especially if you come from like a, a life of survival, you don't really give yourself opportunities to mourn, mm-hmm. um, to experience grief and to go through the whole process in a way that is healthy. You kind of just go into adaptation mode. Mm-hmm. And that's not always good, you know, because it it, it always seems to come back and, and, and bite you. <laughs> so, yeah, I had no way. <laughs> so. OK. OK, best. So with that. So you went from basically living your best life to mm-hmm. hitting a bump in the road and tying all that together. How do you feel overall about your college experience? Like you, you learned, a, I'm pretty sure you learned a lot um, when everything hit the fan. Like it's just, how was that? You know what I'm saying? Um, this, oh, if you could, if you could say like, yo, like my college experience was amazing. My college experience was great. Well, my college experience wasn't so good because I, I like what what would you what would you say it was? Um in terms of the academics, um I learned a lot. Um in terms of the overall experience co- college I I didn't enjoy I didn't enjoy it that much either. Just like how I didn't enjoy high school. Um, and I, it, it, it doesn't only have to do with like the, ex- the personal experiences I had, um, to manage. Uh, it's just like, again, I didn't really know myself. Mm-hmm. I was in a new environment that I, I knew nothing about. Mm-hmm. I, I was a bit of a rebel. I, I still am, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, uh, and very like hard headed and stubborn. So nobody could really tell me anything. You know, so I was really out here winging it. And you say, like, living my best life. I don't, when I look back, I don't consider that to be my best life. Mm. Um, I've, I've yet to live my best life. Um, it, it was an experience. Some of it, there was some fun moments sprinkled in there. But, man, college was, college was rough. Right. So <laughs> college the, was rough. So the partying experience 
for you wasn't so much having fun. It was trying to find yourself an escape. Is that right? In retrospect, yeah. In the moments that I was doing it, it was it was fun. <laughs> of course, it was fun. Like I was enjoying myself. Of course, taking shots, drinking. Like you know, when you're young, you could you could drink. Like you could put back ten drinks, nothing, no problem. Let's do it again tomorrow. <laughs> like now, <laughs> but that is not how I live my life now. That is not how I want to live my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't consider any of that to be fun. Um, so, yeah, I was probably definitely trying to numb whatever was going on with me. Because I'll be honest with you, my first, my freshman year of, of college, I didn't even drink alcohol. I was the, de- I always called myself the designated decoy. So alcohol was not important <laughs> to me. <laughs> yeah, it was not important for me. You know, I only started drinking like. But when I was 18, that's the legal, that was the legal um, drinking limit in my home country. And, um, yeah, when when my uncle died, I turned up. I was like, well, well you know, <laughs> drinking it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, what, yeah. so what was your circle like? Like, who were your friends? Um, I made friends with a lot of people from African countries. Mm-hmm. Um there was a big um, African student population at Loyola Mm -hmm. and I kind of just naturally gravitated towards them because our cultures are all very similar. Mm -hmm. You know, our experiences were similar. I'm not to say that my experiences aren't similar to like black Americans. Um, but it, you know, I just, it was just an easier thing for me. Um, and so I hung out with a lot of like the African people and they they kind of gave me a safe space they didn't know me i'll tell you that much they didn't know me they just kind of knew a surface version of me whatever my you know whatever whatever mask i was wearing they knew that you know they knew like i guess there are core personality traits that no matter what you're dealing with Mm -hmm. you can't really hide Mm -hmm. um but for the most part they didn't know what i was carrying um they didn't know where i came from um, they didn't know anything. So they weren't friends. Like most of these people from college, mm-hmm. I don't, we don't speak anymore. And it's not because like we had a falling out or anything like that. It's just like we have nothing, we have nothing in common. Um, and really it was just about having a good time. And there's not a life than just having a good time, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, friends, a lot of my friends are people from my, that I knew from growing up. Um, and that's really it. So, yeah. Uh, what do you mean by from growing up? Because I was going to ask, what's, who's, like, what are your friends like now? Um, yeah, so people that I went to you know, high school with okay. are people that grew up in the same country as me. Okay. Um, so that's I, dope. That's right dope. Now, I don't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. But that's dope that like you're still cool with friends from high school. Like where I'm from, uh, that's not really common. Like. College is really? kind of where they filter out, and then in college, your college friends become who you stick it out with. Really, I'm yeah. I'm like the complete opposite. Like I, it would have been my hope that some of these people would remain friends with me, but like I said, you know, you, I formed relationships with people more so out of convenience, not necessarily out of how I would form a friendship now. Um, the way I would form a friendship now is, and I'm 31, by the way, I'll be 32 this year. Um, I am more intentional about my friendships. Um, I don't, you know, people always say like, you want like-minded people, you want like-minded people. And that's all fine as well. (laughs) Um, but I want like-hearted people, you know, I want people Mm. who love my heart because I know what's in my heart and I know like... Um, you made a reference to the Bible, I, so that tells me that you have some sort of faith. Um, but I know what I pray for. You know, mm-hmm. I know the work. I, I, I can. I know firsthand the work that God is doing in me. Mm-hmm. I can look back at where I was and where I am now and see, you know, my transformation, even if it's not apparent to people who think they still know me. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so when I say I want someone who's like-hearted, I want someone who is, who has the heart that, that, that God, God is creating in me right now, you know, and, and forevermore. Um, so, cause the mind is a dangerous place. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. not always going to steer you in the right direction. And it, and you know, it's a defense, the mind, it it defends and, and mirrors what's in the heart. And if what's in the heart isn't like anything of use, 
then what's in the mind is going to be crap as well. So I don't want anyone who has my mind, because my mind is still working itself out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my mind is still at learning some things. My mind is still like processing some things that I never got to process. And that's not to say there's anything wrong with that. But yeah, so right now the friends that I have are people who are very, you know, you know, they're introspective. Um, they, they, they're purposeful, they're purpose driven, they know where they're going. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to be friends with honestly with a lot of people that I consider to be in a better position than me because it gives me something, it gives me a measurement, you know. And mm-hmm. not to say that I'm comparing myself to my friends, and if I compare, it's a healthy comparison, but it's just like. I liked, I learned through observation, you know, mm-hmm. I learned through other people's experiences. So I try to be friends with people that, that can teach me things and expose me to things that I never got to see or would never otherwise know. Um, I don't have a lot of people that I consider to be friends these days. And I feel like that's typical for someone my age. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I vet people now. Before, yeah, and I feel like this is normal for young people. You don't vet. But now I vet. And and when I meet people that I, there's someone that I like, you know, like I'm very intentional about entering that friendship. I, I will ask you, like, do you want to be my friend? Mm-hmm. You know, like, do you want to commit to being my friend? Here is what this looks, this is going to look like. Is this something that you're able to do? Yes or no. And if, if it's no, then it's no, you know. Mm-hmm. I put you in a different category, but, you know, I, I that's where I'm at on, on the issue of friendship. Maybe that'll evolve over time. <laughs> so... Yeah, that's 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 fire. Like I never I never heard that perspective. I was always taught to look for like minded individuals like you. I never really thought like, you know what, let me look for like hearted individuals. And that's that's tough, like that's that's tough. That's tough. Um so my next question, what advice would you give to high school seniors going to college or high school seniors who don't want to go to college? That's a really good question. Um, There's a lot of advice. Um, If you're going to college, or if you're going to go to college in this age especially, um, make sure that you're going for the right reasons. Um, I would say that going to college because you want to escape whatever life you had in high school or whatever life you had at home, I don't think that's a good enough reason to go to college. You know, if you... There are other things that you can do to escape, you know, your current um, situation. Um, Consult. Consult with as many people that have been in your position um, to try to learn about, you know, what awaits you on the other side. It can be other kids who are in in school. You know, it could be, you know, uh, adults that you may have relationships with that may have went off to school. Um, It could be people at the schools that you're interested in, you know, like we, we live in an age where everyone's accessible, you know, mm-hmm. so it is not, it's, it should not feel strange or unusual for you to like cold email someone or reach out to them on Instagram or Facebook. Um, if you see that they're affiliated with a school, you know, introduce yourself, um, let them know what you're interested in and just see um, if they can even help you. You know, there, there's this saying, closed mouths don't get fed. I think, Jay-Z, <laughs> Jay-Z said that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, I strongly believe in that. And that's something I've learned over the past three years, especially like if you don't ask people for things or if you don't tell them what you need, no one is going to assume that you need their help or offer you any help willingly. Like people just really be in their own worlds, minding their business. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would definitely encourage people, like I said, to consult and, 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 and find out what they do and do your research, you know, research as many things as you can. But also when you're researching, especially when you're talking about like what the culture is like, what the this teacher is like, blah, blah, blah. Like where research with like a very thin like like garment, you know, like don't don't take everybody's word for gospel because some one person's experience may be different from yours. You know, like you really at the end of the day shape the type of experiences that you have in this life. Um, and 
nothing is more true to that than like when you're in academia and you see like the dynamics between different you know um, students and between the teacher and the student like you can decide how that's going to work out for you um it's crazy if it sounds and what else uh if you don't want to go to college by the way if i could do it all over again i would never have gone to college because i like working i like business and i i learned i learned more um in the workforce than i ever learned in college like i don't know what i spent all that money for and and did all that stuff for i'm not gonna lie to you but that's not to discourage people from going off to school i feel like there are certain professions where you do need you know that that tertiary education you do need that experience and even some personality types um some people like their character it really would benefit from like that that tertiary education that college experience but if you don't want to go off to school that's also fine as well you know um i would say around about 13 you kind of have an idea of what your natural talents and gifts and skills are um you should take inventory of those you know before you even start the whole process of like should i go to college should i not go to college write it down you know write down what what you're naturally good at because the thing that you're naturally good at i think is tied into your purpose you know and ultimately where you're going to end up if you are walking on the path that you should walk on um and again consult consult with people who didn't go to college most of the entrepreneurs that you know like especially with these large fortune 500 companies they either dropped out of college um they or they if they went to college they didn't do a second time around they didn't get a master's or a phd or whatever another degree or they they just didn't do it you know so just if you don't want to do it just don't do it don't let anyone pressure you um and work you know, find a company, do your, again, do your research on companies that you like, make sure that their core values align with your core values, um, the things that they sell or promote or the services that they sell or promote align with something that you believe in and, and start from the bottom <laughs> and work your way up. And once you get in the door, you know, make sure you find a mentor, listen, listen, listen is very important. Young people, we don't listen, um, but listen to what people say. Because there's wisdom even coming from someone who's mean or someone who's not delivering properly or someone who just, you know, is a difficult person otherwise. So, yeah, like I said, it's a lot of advice, but that's what I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, I definitely agree with what you're saying. Um, I'm an entrepreneurship student at A&T, and I realized once I got to college that, like, if I didn't go to college, I feel like I would be just as successful as I would be going to college if I had the right mindset and will. Um, through the first this first year in college, it's not over yet, but it's close to the end. Through this first year, I realized like everything I've been learning up until this point is mainly valuable for my character and for 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 just like my like my wisdom. Um, yeah. Would I, being an entrepreneurship student, I feel like from people that I've watched and people that I've spoken to who are also entrepreneurs, their greatest teacher is experience. You know what I'm saying? Like if you want to do real estate, if you want to have your own business, your own company, if you want to, whatever avenue you're doing business pretty much, you have to learn from experience. That's probably like the best teacher. You know what I mean? Like you can't learn from someone else who didn't experience anything really. Um, it wouldn't be wise to do that at least. And college is expensive. Like, you don't, you don't want to go to college and be like, yo, like, I never took the time. And this, this is for the athletes that I'm talking to now. Um, You don't want to go to college or you don't want to, you know what I'm saying, commit to a school or commit to a major. And you haven't taken the time to evaluate yourself on a personal level, not just yo, I'm good in basketball. I'm good in football, so I'm gonna go ahead and chase that. Like, you still gotta figure out like what is it that I'm good at in terms of like having life skills. What is it that I can make money out of outside of sports and entertaining people? Like, we I don't know. I just I just want to change the mindset. Um, yeah, no, I agree. That's why I said to take inventory, you know, but by, by at an early age, it's, it, I think it's, if you pay attention, it's very clear 
what someone is good at and where they're going to go. It's just a matter of having the right people around. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have the right people around, being, you know, paying attention enough to yourself to really figure out where you're supposed to go. Like writing is so, I can't like stress enough. It's so important um, when, when you're young, write down your dreams, um, write down your visions, even if they don't make sense, just write them down. Um, and when you get, when you look back at it, as you get older, everything is going to make sense. Like there's nothing like I, I, I still recall things that I wrote when I was like nine, 10, you know, a teenager, things I wrote back then they're happening now, Mm -hmm. you know, they're happening now. Things that I wanted back then, I still want now, you know, but now I just kind of have, I have wisdom, I have experience, I have life on my side, you know, and so I'm able to like manifest the, the dreams that I had when I was a little girl, like th people aren't joking when they say that, like th th I dreamed about this since I was a little girl, mm -hmm. you know, so you just have to, whenever you see you have something come to you, like that's from God, a dream, a vision, it's, mm -hmm. if it's good, it's from, it, it, most times it's from God, like write it write it you know you're not gonna mm -hmm. if you not everybody's gonna make go pro <laughs> right most people don't go pro you know so you can't put all your eggs in one basket just not just in your career but in life like you have to you, you have to be flexible you know you have to be open to things just not possibly working the way that you want um and you have to have you have to be agile you know you have to be able to move to the next thing that's gonna you know benefit your life you know you can't live as a survivor forever it's just not gonna work so, yeah. Yeah. So to kind of switch gears um, a little bit, you know, we talked a little bit about when you see things at an early age, kind of harp on those opportunities or harp on those ideas. But for kids that that see things in their surroundings or in their environments that they kind of that they want to mimic that maybe they aren't ready for. Uh, more specifically, a lot of kids trying to have babies at an early age because they see, oh, well, so-and-so in my life just had a kid and things look okay on social media. They look happy. They look like things are going well. You know, like, what would you say to someone in that position who has baby fever that's probably in high school, middle school even, that's like, yo, I think I want to have a kid or I think I want to drop out and just do whatever. Like, not really having a clear mindset of what they want to do or what they want to be. have baby fever if you want to have a child don't just think about the baby don't just think about the infant the toddler you know think about who that person <clears throat> you want to bring into the world who that person is going to be when they're your age when they are in their 30s when they're in their 40s and ask yourself if the person that you envision that baby being, ask yourself where you're at in life right now, mentally, physically, spiritually, financially, would you be able to give that person that life or give them everything they need to have the life that you envisioned for them? Ask yourself that. If you say yes, you can do it. The, the, the answer is probably no, you can't. But let's say for some reason you said yes, then whatever, you know, but it, the answer is going to be no, because <laughs> at 18, 19, you're still a baby yourself. Like you don't even know yourself. You know, your, your brain is still developing. You know, the women, our brains continue to develop, to develop. I think they say up until we're 25 or and men, it's, it's the same thing. You know, something like that. I have to go back and research it. Like you don't know anything. <laughs> You don't know enough to, to feed into this person um, the things that they really need. So that would be the advice I would tell them. Like, think about the life you want your adult child to have, not your baby. Babies are easy. 
they don't talk, <laughs> you know, they don't, they don't remember things up until like maybe the age of two or three is when memory starts to kick in. It's the adult you need to worry about because trauma follows you forever. And if you're bringing your kids into the world in a situation where you're unprepared, where you're under-resourced, um, where you're probably living in less than ideal circumstances, where you're with a partner that also doesn't know themselves or, or, you know, isn't where they're supposed to be, you know, they're not following their purpose. You are creating um, a situation where your child, your adult child, is going to have years of trauma to unpack mm. if the child even gets to a point, the adult child gets to a point where they are able to identify the trauma because that's also another problem. A lot of people, adults, spend most of their lives living in a state of like PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, mm-hmm. okay, carrying trauma that they don't even know they're carrying. You're acting one way, okay? You're acting one way, you're reactive. You know, you you, you, you share intimacy in your romantic relationships or with your family or with your friends, all these different things. And you think that's normal because you haven't even, you haven't even grasped the fact that maybe you're traumatized from something that happened when you were a child. You know, so these are all things that people need to think about. Think about the adult child, not the baby. Think about the adult. So that's, <laughs> that's what I would tell them. Yeah, that's dope, and that's that was that was perfect way to answer the question. Um, I I don't I don't have any more questions. Um, if you have any questions, you can go ahead and you know pick my brain if you want. Um, I guess I would flip that question back to you. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what is something that you would tell? Um, I don't know, high schoolers, especially like who want to have babies, like what, what would you advise them to do? I want to hear it from a male perspective. Well, first I would tell them, ask yourself if you are a hundred percent ready to support and provide for yourself. And then I would ask the same question for you being able to support your significant other. And then I will ask the same question, wrapping both of those people together and bringing another person in this world. Are you, are you ready? Financially, mentally, spiritually, it's a lot that goes into it. Um, what I, I would say, I would also, I would ask that person, what's the rush? Um, what is what are the reasons? What are your motives behind wanting to have a baby? Um, if it's something that's like, oh, it's cute, it's saw on Instagram, I, you're not mature enough. You're not really in the right state to make those calls. So, um, if you really not, if you don't, if you don't think you can answer those questions, or you don't think that you're, when I don't, I don't know how to, if they would think that though, if they want it. That's tough. That's tough. I would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't tell someone to do it. Um, if they're not ready, and if I think they're not ready, but um, that's not really my call because I I haven't had any kids, and I don't want to be that person who's like, yo, I know right from wrong. You have to listen to me. Um, I haven't made any mistakes. I'm perfect. So. Go ahead and rock out with what I tell you. If anything, I would probably send them to one of my mentors. Um, I to be a hundred percent honest with you, especially if it was someone that's in my circle. Like, yo, hit me up. Like, yo, Brock, I just got in this situation, man. Or, yo, I'm, I want to have a kid. I'm really thinking about settling down and, and getting this done. I'm gonna be like, yo, here's somebody you should talk to who had that same experience at an early age and has made smart decisions to make it out, you know what I'm saying, to to really support their child's life and and the end result worked out. So I would advise you to talk to them so they could coach you through. But I mean, really, I don't really, I don't know what I would like go to instantly. Hmm. So you, you mentioned, you say the word or the term being ready a lot, like from your position, what does being ready look like i feel like everyone has a different um definition for this when it pertains to having children Mm. or making that type of commitment which by the way is a lifetime commitment it's not like a 
it's not something that you can get out of like right. you can like a marriage you know it's even if you're not in the child's life it's still your child right um so what does being ready look like to you um well first off both both sides have to agree so like if it was a male like whoever their significant other is we have to be on the same page and you know vice versa and second it'd be like yo are you even like do you still live with your do you still depend on your parents financially um are you able to support yourself are you how how independent are you and some people may say like yo because a lot of people get that mixed up like what real like real independence is just because they like yo i got a job i have my own car and Etc. Etc. But like, what are you really taking care of? What are your real responsibilities? Um, what life experiences do you have that make you feel like you're equipped? Um, yeah, really, that's what I would go to for like in terms of being ready. I'm pretty sure it's more, but like that's like for that question. If if, if that if it was if I was in that situation where I had to like talk to somebody through it. Um, I would need some time to think about how to respond because, like I said, most likely I would send them to one of my mentors. Hmm. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have any other questions on that. Okay. All right. Well. Uh. Cool. This it was it was definitely dope to hear, um, your background, your upbringing, um, to hear your perspective on few of my questions that I had, you know, the baby situation, um, being independent, dealing with stress, uh, how you dealt with stress. Um, everything was, it was dope. This was a dope episode. I really hope my listeners take heed to a lot of the gems you dropped on here. It was a lot of information in here. So if you have to pause and write things down, or if you have to play it back, go ahead and do that. Take advantage of it. In most apps, you can slow down the speed, but, um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up, man. You can hit me up any questions, comments, or concerns at ibrock88 on Instagram. Uh, once again, that's ibrock88 on Instagram. Um, thank y'all for tuning in. Keep supporting. Keep spreading the word. And that is another episode of Best of Both Worlds.